I feel fortunate that we're having a conversation today, not under a dictatorship, because two years ago today, we almost lost our democracy in a Donald Trump-inspired coup. It's Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn. I'm here with Lisa Garvin, Laura Johnston, and Layla Tassi, who is valiantly appearing on this podcast today, despite what you'll hear in her voice is a very bad cold. Thank you, Layla. Oh, you're welcome. We got a lot of good. (laughs) Wouldn't miss it for the world, Chris. (laughs) We got some pretty amazing news to talk about from Thursday, so let's talk about it. Do we have more details on the unexpected win by Jason Stevens as the new Ohio House Speaker? Layla, Jeremy Pelzer went deep in how this guy came out of nowhere to one of the most powerful positions in Ohio. Yeah, this was a pretty fascinating story. So everyone knows Representative Derek Maron was presumed to be the speaker-elect after he won a House GOP caucus vote last November, but Jason Stevens was able to take it from him by cobbling together a victory with a third of his GOP colleagues and all of the House Democrats. And Democrats said that they backed Stevens because they were worried about Merritt's more conservative agenda on issues. You know, those include tax cuts and labor issues and raising the threshold to pass state constitutional amendments. But the type of fracturing we saw among Republicans is pretty unusual. Typically, when this vote gets to the House floor, they vote unanimously for the candidate who won the caucus vote. But for Republicans... This was about power and and some folks feeling slighted by Marin, according to sources who talked to Jeremy Pelzer. After the caucus vote, Marin didn't try to reach out to Stevens supporters to win their loyalty. He didn't offer them any perks in exchange for their support, like chairmanships or selection to his leadership team. And, you know, so behind the scenes, Stevens took advantage of that situation and started calling the Democrats to put together his, uh, you know, his votes. And House Democratic leaders waited, this is the sneakiest part, I thought, waited until just a couple hours before the vote to hold a meeting to agree to vote for Stevens because they didn't want Marin to have time to interfere with their plan. (laughs) So... Democrats Democrats say that they just wanted someone who would be more reasonable on issues that matter to them. They they wanted someone who could help ensure the next round of legislative map making has a fair outcome and and they wanted someone who wouldn't sideline the Democrats by keeping them out of committees and positions of influence. But, you know, yeah, this was a uh, Everyone should read this. It was a very interesting look into Ohio politics. Well, and Marin did get in touch with Jeremy later in the day to say that he did try to reach out. But he also made, I, I still can't believe he did this, he made the charge that Stevens took advantage of Marin being at his father's deathbed to rally this support and, and was making a pretty <laughs> ugly accusation. And it's just an odd, it, it came across as sour grapes, but but playing on your dead father just seems seems bad he did disagree though he said i did try to reach out i did try to talk to the democrats it didn't offer any i think concrete evidence for it but i i think part of what's happening here i I was talking to somebody that's pretty high up yesterday who said that the word as they campaigned last year from people all across the state republicans and democrats is people are sick of the rancor that has really defined the state house the last few years yeah and marin 
would have been that. Marin was hardline, you know, a really Trumpy style kind of guy. So, so you would have had that rancor continue. Stevens seems like a guy who just wants to get stuff done. Uh, you know, when he, when people look at him as one of the nicest legislators in Columbus, maybe you can drop that temperature a little bit and not have the ridiculous stuff we saw. I mean, remember, in the past couple of years, we had a legislator, you know, te- uh, testifying about the vaccine, you know, causing you to be magnetized. I mean, we've had ridiculous nonsense showing up in the state house that nobody wants. And this this may be a signal things have changed. I'm not surprised some Republicans didn't want to go with Marin because of that hardline stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, Stevens is, like you said, regarded as honest and kind and reasonable across both parties. But but he is really conservative, too. I mean, wasn't he tied with Marin as one of the, you know, what was he, number 48 in terms of most conservative uh, of Republicans? But he's, he's you know, Stevens co-sponsored, um, you know, the, the unsuccessful bill to ban transgender girls from playing high school or college sports. And he voted for an elections bill that, you know, would require Ohio voters to show the, the photo ID at polling places. I mean, those are things that Democrats hated. Yeah, um, but, but maybe his his temperament is enough to uh, keep them stitched together. I don't know. I well, on the voter ID, I mean, it, the, the the Democrats are out of touch with voters because the voters are every poll shows people largely want that. I what I suspect Stevens will do that Marin won't is not be absolutist. And, well, he can't be because the Democrats he needed the Democrat support. I don't think Marin. I think Marin would have driven for an absolute abortion ban, no exceptions, no how, no way. Yeah. Which all that will do is generate an, an amendment immediately to to change it because that's not where Ohio stands. Is Stevens more of a pragmatist where he'll say, "Look, yeah, I would love to ban abortion altogether, but that's never going to happen. We, we're never going to win that. If we pass that law, it's going to get tossed." So. You know, how far can we push where voters may find it tolerable or something? You, you, we haven't had that. We need reasonable leaders in the state house to think with some pragmatism. I think Stevens offers a much better chance at that than Marin. Whether or not it happens, I don't know. Yeah, it's nice to have a fresh start. Let's see what he does. Yeah, I, I'm more optimistic than I was when it was Marin. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> it's today in Ohio. Is Frank LaRosa's anti-democracy move to make it harder for voters to change the state constitution looking dead now that the surprise candidate has won the Ohio House speaker's seat? Lisa, I think this thing was doomed because so many groups were against it that Frank LaRose greedily overreached with what he was proposing and now has been bitten hard. But it, is it looking like it's going nowhere officially? It, it certainly does, because Jason Stevens, the new House Speaker, voted against House Joint Resolution 6 last month in the lame duck session. So that's a good sign. Um, and it appears that the Republicans were ready to pass this quickly in time for put, placing it on the February 1st or making the February 1st ballot deadline for a May election. Um, Derek Marin set an aggressive legislative calendar before he was booted out of the speaker seat. So it looked like they were trying to 
do that. And that was at the top of their list. Stevens for himself, he's noncommittal on the 60% threshold. He says he needs to cobble together a legislative calendar as soon as possible. And the budget is at the top of his list right now. Um, you know, and of course the Republicans in Ohio are downplaying that the impact that the 60% rule would have had on, you know, votes on the constitutionality of abortion. But if you look at measures in other states, they passed, you know, in a range of 52 to 59% of the votes, and none of them reached that 60% threshold. Yeah, this was LaRose playing to a, a, a fringe base, and it was kind of a craven move. There were so many groups from from all sides of the political spectrum that were coming out against it, though, I'm not sure that even Marin would have gotten enough votes to put this on the ballot. I think there are enough Republicans, especially the ones that went with Stevens, that were worried about being tagged with that. If this dies, I'm not sure it ever goes away because anybody who runs against LaRose will tag him with this. This is going to stick to him. He tried to devalue your vote. You know, he's supposed to be running for the Senate. That's going to be a competitive race. If I were running against him, I would make sure to tag him with this. This could end up being a, a savaging of his political career. A at least, it seems, they will not, under Stevens, rush to get this done in time for May. So, so for the ballot measures that we might see in the near future, marijuana and other things, this the 60% the will not apply. If they end up putting it on the ballot, they would put it on the ballot no earlier than November, I guess. Well, and I, and I urge people to read Andrew Tobias's story because it was kind of two stories in one because he talked about, you know, the movements by abortion rights groups to get this on the ballot and how they're working on language and there are two different coalitions, you know. So, yeah, it's, an, it's almost two stories in one there. So I don't know if we want to talk about all of that, but. Well, the the danger the 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 the, the pro well the, the the people who are seeking to legalize abortion have is if they overreach if they if they don't put in the kind of limits that Ohioans clearly want whether it's first trimester or whatever then the people fighting it will probably be able to persuade voters to oppose it and you you always see it on both sides there's always this overreach you know the absolute ban on abortion is a ridiculous overreach by the one side and if these groups do too much they're going to lose and and it'll be surprising if they are not pragmatic, right? Well, and they need to come together. There are two different groups. There's the Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights. They formed a coalition this week called Protect Ohio Choice, and they're looking to put it on the November ballot, and they're already working on the, the uh, ballot language. And then there's another group, Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom, which includes the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, Ohio Women's Alliance, and others. And they formed this week as well, but they are not working together and they probably need to do that. If, if, and the, the, here's the thing, if Stevens is smart, if he wants to restrict abortion from what it was under Roe, they should come up with something that might be acceptable to the voters because anything short of that, the voters are going to put it into the constitution where it's permanent. And that, that's the, the push. Are they going to be wise enough to come up with something that negates the need for the constitutional amendment, the heartbeat bill doesn't cut it. If the heartbeat bill stays, there'll be a constitutional amendment on the ballot. It's just, it's interesting whether they will have common sense and come up with a sane approach. It's today in Ohio. 
How is a Summit County Republican trying to feather his nest by taking a shot at fellow Republicans who voted to make Stevens the new speaker? Laura, this is one of those things that boggles my mind. If you don't agree with me, I'm going to punish you. Uh, yeah, I think that's what exactly what he's doing. And I feel like every story we talk about, the stakes keep getting higher. This drama keeps getting more dramatic in the state house. So Brian Williams wants to punish these Republicans who left the fold and abandoned Derek Barron. So Williams is the Summit County Republican Party chairman. He's one of three guys vying for the leadership of the party. And what I am sure today will be a fascinating meeting. Andrew Tobias is covering that this morning. I can only imagine what they're going to lob at each other. But uh, Williams supporters are circulating these draft that would make Stevens and the 21 other Republican Ohio House members ineligible to receive any state party endorsement or any party resources for at least the next four years. So you didn't go along with the caucus. We're not going to give you any support. This is a pretty despicable move because people are not elected to toe the party line. They're right. elected to vote their conscience based and on represent their their constituents. Well, they tell their constituents, these are my principles and they're supposed to go and vote on their principles. These legislators decided Marin didn't fit where the state needed to go and they voted for another Republican. They didn't vote for a Democrat. They voted for another Republican. But because they didn't tow the party line. Mm. So so basically, if you don't tow the party line, you're not fit to be in the party. That's not the way it's supposed to work. I hope this guy doesn't win. It, it'd be bad for the Republican Party to have yet another absolutist, my way or the highway, you do everything the party says or you're done in charge. I completely agree. And the censure resolution specifically takes issue with the fact that House Minority Leader Allison Russo, she's an upper Arlington Democrat, held the Bible that Stevens used to be sworn into office. So God forbid you do anything bipartisan that this guy, Brian Williams, just wants to punish you for getting along with the other side, which you just talked about it. People are tired of the rancor. They want people to get along. And he wants to punish you for having anything to do with the Democrat. And yeah. he's actually feuding with a member of a Republican from Summit County, Repub Representative Bob Young of Green. And it's really unusual for a county party leader to break publicly with an elected official within their county. But apparently, I got to read you this quote. He says, it's clear the caucus made their choice and the 22 personally ambitious individuals went and made their own deal for any sort of reward they thought they would get. And the party's going to push back. Yeah, well, we know who the personally ambitious person is here. He's bad news. The other two guys against him are Hamilton County Chairman Alex Triantafilo and Jimmy Stewart, former state lawmaker from Southeast Ohio who runs the Ohio Gas Association. So well, we will see. I'm sure we'll talk about it on Monday. Yeah, vote for anybody but Williams. It's today in Ohio. Less than a week into legal sports betting in Ohio. We have three more potential fines coming for sports betting companies with the news coming a day after Governor Mike DeWine issued a stern warning to them. Layla, what are the accusations here? So the Ohio Casino Control Commission said it's taking administrative action against BetMGM Sportsbook, Caesar Sportsbook, and DraftKings Sportsbook. All three of these are accused of breaking two rules not having a message about problem gambling and advertising free or risk-free bets. And they each face $150,000 fines for this. They can, they can request a hearing on the fines, but uh, you know, that's, that's a pretty, pretty steep uh, penalty. So the rules are 
sports betting advertisements are supposed to have a clear message designed to prevent problem gambling and and should con- should have a phone number that people can call to get resources to help them with that problem. And companies are also not allowed to call their promotions free or risk-free bets when a gam- when gamblers are required to to risk their own money to get the promotion. The commission said these three companies broke that rule and then and in DraftKings they were already in hot water. They had already been put on notice and are accused of mailing roughly 2,500 ads to people under 21 who were not old enough to gamble, and and they could face a $350,000 fine for that violation. Barstool Sportsbook was issued a, a notice of violation earlier in December because of an event that they held at the University of Toledo's campus. They were advertising, you know, advertising near a college campus is is against the rules, and they could face a $250,000 fine. So. Definitely seems the Casino Control Commission is coming out strong on these violations, and they should. I, I was actually surprised by this because I've mentioned that we're, we have a partner and, and we're getting some advertising money based on, on sports gambling and, and, and referrals. And some of these companies are, are on our site. There are links to them on our site. And I know what went into making sure that none of the wording violated the rules and that all of them had the disclaimer. I mean, it was, it was a lot of back and forth to do that just to, to make sure that we're within the rules. And yet, and, and so I know on our site that, you know, you don't have risk-free betting or free betting. The, 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 as that stuff went through the filters, it certainly wasn't there. So I'm surprised they're doing it because they're very cognizant of it. Part of this that strikes me as, as stupid is you can't say free betting. You can't say risk-free betting. So you can come up with 14 other euphemisms like no sweat betting. Why, why didn't the state, <laughs> if it wants to stop that, just prohibit the companies from giving people the money back on a bet? Well, you know, they, they, they could have attacked the policy instead of the wording because they haven't told these companies you can't give people credit to bet with so that they really don't have a risk, even though you can't say that. Uh, so why not just do that? Just say that's a in Ohio, you're not going to be able to give people credit to work with to to get them into your fold. It, it seems like we the policy is a little bit cockeyed to me. What I don't get is that I'm sure these companies make so much money. Do they really need to break the rules to succeed in this market? I don't think well, so. Well, it's competitive I mean, though. There, I mean, the the problem is, yeah, there's a lot of money, a lot of money. From from what I understand, Ohio immediately became number one in the country for sports betting. It overtook New York on day one. But but there's a lot of companies trying to get that cash. It's because it's so lucrative, and so I do think they they probably push it and and try and get an edge. And look, that's why they're working with us, right? That gives you an edge if you work with the website that has the most loyal sports fans in the state. And we have an enormous and rabid sports audience. And these guys want to make sure they're getting their message before them. And it's frankly helping sustain the journalism we do. And so I'm, I'm glad it's there. Um, but it's, it's just odd. This has come up again because I know they're cognizant of it and trying not to do it. They're not doing it on our site anyway. Huh. Yeah, right. It's today in Ohio. 
Is this a sign of the Mike DeWine we'll see in these next four years? What did he veto Thursday, Lisa, and why? Yeah, this is actually great news, and he's actually, you know, showing that he has some strength and he's going to fight that supermajority. He vetoed legislation yesterday that would have prevented cities in Ohio from enacting tobacco taxes, fees, or other restrictions like age limits. Um, they passed that during the lame duck in the waning days of the session, and they did it right after the city of Columbus banned the sale of flavored and menthol tobacco products that would have started in 2024. And Ohio, and, and after he vetoed the legislation, uh, Governor DeWine said, Ohio is in the midst of a vaping epidemic. Kids are starting younger and younger. They're being drawn by these candy flavored and menthol flavored, uh, you know, vape products. And, you know, pre these are called a uh, tobacco preemption laws. So these are, you know, ways to keep cities from enacting their own, you know, regulations. Um, his move was praised by the American Cancer Society, other health, public health officials, also House Democrats. Uh, the, uh, the Democrat leader, Allison Russo, said this would have been bad for Ohioans' health violates home rule and would have raised Medicaid spending. Interesting. I didn't know almost half of states in the U.S., 24 states do have tobacco preemption laws. Most of them are about age limits and, you know, who to sell to, but it's obviously supported by the tobacco industry. So yeah, this is a, it's very encouraging in my eyes. Well, and he did say, look, if the legislature wants to do something, they ought to ban that for kids. Mm -hmm. we, we have so many things that we're putting in front of kids that are dangerous. You know, Lisa, when you and I were young, <laughs> you got candy cigarettes mm -hmm. to get you hooked on the idea of smoking. They were little white sugar sticks with red ends. <laughs> and I, the story broke last week that in states that have legalized marijuana, kids are accidentally getting the gummy bears all the why are we making candy looking marijuana why are we having things that are candy flavored to that would appeal to kids and i thought the wine was right why doesn't the legislature just outright ban that kind of thing so we stop tempting kids to start using it and he's been you know and he's that's one of the things about dewine he is really interested in the future of ohio's children whether it be education mental health substance abuse so this is kind of in line with his philosophy I just hope to see more, you know, more backbone as we <laughs> consider other legislation. I wish we would do something to make the marijuana gummies look like vomit or something so the kids would stop being tempted to have it. Because if a kid sees something that looks like a gummy bear, they're going to wolf it down. It's today in Ohio. Every Ohio Senate race seems to be more expensive than all the previous ones, but last year's was that and much, much more. How much was it, Laura? And what astounding fact about it did Andrew Tobias report? That it costs more than the last previous three elections combined. I, I thought it was just under the last three combined. Almost as much. Sorry. Yeah. Very close. $197.6 million spent on the U.S. Senate race last year. That includes $104 million from outside groups. And compare that to the $211 million on the past three combined. So not quite up there, but very close. Uh, $37.7 million in 2018. That's when Sherrod Brown won, won re-election over Jim Renacci. There was $91 million in the 2016. And in 20, back, way back in 2012, 82.3. That was when Sherrod Brown defeated Republican Josh Mandel. So 
this could be a harbinger of things to come because think about it. Sherrod Brown's going to have to run for reelection. Democrats are going to hold on to this slim majority, and he's the only statewide elected Democrat in Ohio. So I'm sure we're going to keep seeing a huge amount of money spent on these races and a huge amount of outside money coming in. Because even though Tim Ryan and his committee raised all sorts of money, $61 million, uh, nearly 94, nearly two thirds of what was raised by all the campaign and their affiliates, he he got outspent by all the outside groups that Vance got. I, I do wonder with Sherrod whether... It won't be that fevered because he's the incumbent and it won't be an open seat. He's pretty formidable. And maybe the Republicans are sure this time they'll be able to knock him off. They've been sure of that before and they've never been able to do it. But I wonder if the reason that this was so much more than the previous ones is because it was open. Maybe. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? Portman's gone. We have this open seat. That's why you saw all those Republicans running in the first place. But regardless, that's a whole lot of money. You had, yeah. you know, Peter Thiel giving $15 million on his own. Yeah, I know. It's that uh, it, whatever is, we know that the next one will be expensive, whether it's this expensive. Sherry don't, Brown's going to have to get a lot of money. Don't you just think what else they could be spending their money on? We talk <laughs> all the time about ARPA money and what it could be used for transformational purposes. And what if these billionaires were giving their money to building a new jail in Cuyahoga County? We'd have something to show for it other than really awful memories of bad ads on TV. Yeah, good point. It's today in Ohio. Is a middle school allowed to strip search students? What does an Ohio mom allege in her federal lawsuit against the East Lake schools, Layla? Well, at the heart of this case is an eighth grade girl. And this happened on September 7th after the girl's friend had asked her to put a vape pen in her locker. Principal Colleen Blarock later in that day pulled the girl out of class and questioned her about this pen. And the girl told the principal what happened and said she didn't know if the pen was still in her locker. So the principal searched the girl's two lockers and didn't find anything. So she took the girl to the nurse's office where she told a nurse's aide to strip search this girl. And the nurse's aide called the school nurse, Megan Kuhlman, who was not at the school at the time, and Kuhlman told her to go ahead and search this student. So according to the lawsuit, the nurse's aide ordered this girl to take off all her clothes, including her bra, and leave her underwear on, and the girl complied. She, was, she wasn't allowed to leave or refuse the search, and they didn't find anything. So the, this nurse's aide left the girl there basically almost naked and, and returned back into the room to shine a UV light in her eyes, I'm sure, to see if you know she was under the influence of something. And this girl was ultimately suspended from school. So the nurse later said, this is the school nurse, that, that she wouldn't have searched this, she wouldn't have strip searched this girl if she were there on the scene. She would have opted for a less invasive way of searching the girl. But too late. I mean, East Lake School District is now getting sued for this. Well, I I can't imagine that it's legal. <laughs> I just I, I don't understand. I, the school doesn't have the authority to do that, does it? I I I would hope not. That this is appalling to me. I for for something like a vape pen. Come on. Yeah, I, come on. I, 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 th this is alarming. If I lived in that district, I'd be outraged and demanding answers. Plus, it's a kid. It's a young kid. What is the message you send yeah. to your student body, too? I mean, that's not the country that they live in. 
Um, this, this is a shocking case. It'll be interesting to what does the school say other than that? Oh, we shouldn't have done it. I mean, have they ever apologized? Have they ever said this doesn't fit our policy? We screwed up here. Have they ever? It, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's uh, they're probably keeping quiet because it's a matter of litigation at this point. But but my goodness, why wouldn't you call the parents first? And say, we're having a problem with your daughter. There's been this issue with this vape pen. You know, you need to come to the school and help us yeah. sort this out or something. Yeah. yeah. This is, I, can you imagine if your child came home and said that this happened to them at school? And this was, I would lose my mind on them. <laughs> I would not want to be the principal if it happened to you. <laughs> and I, this principal has some explaining to do. An outrageous story. Yeah. And that's why we're talking about it. It's today in Ohio. All right, so my grass greened up. The weeds I didn't pull grew, and I see the tops of daffodil bulbs, even though now it's snow on the ground. Are the plants in Northeast Ohio in danger now that they've started growing in the recent warm weather with bitter cold sure to come? Lisa, you're a gardener. What's the story here? Yeah, there's really no cause for worry here. Um, You know, January warm-ups usually don't trick plants into blooming too early. Um, We talked with Ethan Johnson, who's with the Holden Forest and Gardens, and he says plants, especially native trees, know not to come out of dormancy too soon. And plants are actually at their hardiest right now. He says that actually more damage occurs when the freeze happens as buds are opening in the late winter and early spring spring and extreme temperature changes then can be problematic, especially for crops like peach trees and so forth. Some are bulbs are sprouting. None of mine are sprouting. My peonies kind of peeked up through the mulch, but I just covered them back over again. And they said, even if they're sprouting, they should be fine. You might have a little bit of brown on the tips, but the flowers will be okay on your bulbs. It did throw me when I walked out and the grass was doing what it normally does in the spring. It was like, wait, 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 am I going to have to pull out a mower? I mean, it was, uh, I guess we had enough of day, enough days in a row where it was warm, where it kind of fooled everything, but good that it won't be permanent. It's today in Ohio. How much say will the public have on a plan to replace concrete barriers in public square with more attractive bollards? And why do we need these obstacles in public square in the first place, Laura? Homeland security, Chris. We can't You can't just build something nice these days and hope it's going to stay safe. So the public will get plenty of say in what these bollards look like. The, the first stage was an early stage conceptual design at the meeting of the Downtown Flats Design Review Committee. The nonprofit land studio is the one shepherding this through. The Planning Commission is going to hear this today. And in the coming weeks, there'll be additional refinement of design and engineering and the selection of a bollard manufacturer. By the way, I'm just going to tell you right now, they are going for modern, shiny-looking bollards. They do not want historical-looking bollards. Um, I, I can't even think about how much work and time and energy has been going into this project. It's going to cost about $3.5 million to get it done. I think everyone would agree they're going to look better than those concrete Jersey barriers, which poor New Jersey to have that named after you. Not, so, not ideal. So when they say they won't be historical bollards, we're talking they won't be the bollards that were around when Moses Cleveland was first founding <laughs> the city. What's a historical bollard look like? I'm guessing that it would be like, you know, more ornate and like, kind of like an ionic column or something like that, but they're going for these shiny cylinders, which and is what it looks like in my head anyway. that you had the I chance to, to use that shiny. word. Yeah, I do. I know. It was when Laura was a reporter that every other story she wrote had the word I shiny. I wrote about the medical mart a lot, okay? <laughs> I mean, to be fair. 
<laughs> okay. That's funny. It's today in Ohio. That's it. We've gone long. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Layla. Thank you for listening. We'll be back Monday talking about the news. Bye.